Thank you, Darren. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 23. Jesus is coming back. I don't know when. I hope soon. You may not hope soon, uh, but I hope soon. My goal, to be honest with you, is to be ready for him to come back and to be ready for him to tarry his return. I think that's what the scriptures teach. And um, I think if you decide to do that, you'll live your life much more wisely. We recently started our uh, Sunday evening series on being wise in a foolish world. It's a serious focus in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs, of course, is a book of the wisdom of God. And uh, the book of Ecclesiastes records the wisdom of man. Uh, Proverbs ought to be a special focus in the personal study of each of us who are believers in Jesus. To, uh, if we desire to be genuinely wise in a, in a foolish world, we need to study the book of Proverbs. I uh, hope you read it regularly. I also personally read Ecclesiastes regularly, and I'm reminded every time I read it uh, of man's wisdom never changing, and that any believer, no matter how rich you become, who abandons the wisdom of God, will live a fruitless, cynical, and unfulfilled life. Uh, Through this series, my desire, as I say every time as we begin, is for each of us to be wise beyond our years. If you're here today and you're an elementary school child, my desire is that you would be wise for your age. If you are here and you are in the 70s and 80s or beyond that, uh, my desire is that you would be wise beyond your years. Uh, I've known some people in their 60s who really were about 19. Uh, Getting older is inevitable. Getting wiser is a choice. And some people inevitably get older, and they unfortunately do not become wiser. And like you, I do not want to be one of those kinds of people. We have been talking now for two weeks about what it means to behave ourselves wisely in our own homes. Remember, the blessing of God or the curse of God can be on our home determined by whether or not we behave ourselves wisely or foolishly as God defines those things with our own families and in our own homes. Wisdom begins at home. It just doesn't stop there. We've talked about the things that characterize a home. God would be considered to be handled wisely. Remember, a wise home values morality and faithfulness to our spouse. A wise home leaves an inheritance of the most important things to our children and grandchildren, and sometimes that's even houses and riches. A wise home humbly handles the faults and failures of our family. A wise home understands the danger of greed and does everything it can to avoid it. A wise home seeks to be peaceful and people speak and act in a way that promote peace rather than strife. Tonight, I want to pick up where we left off and I want to cover a final area of our homes that God considers to be wise. When I put together this particular study on wisdom from the book of Proverbs, I have like 12 main categories for wisdom. And tonight I want to finish up the second of those, which is wisdom in our home. I want the blessing of God in my home and on my family. I want my house to stand uh, when I leave. Uh, If I leave first, I I, want to leave something behind that matters to, to my wife and our three children and any grandchildren, if we ever have any, any of those, that's what I want to leave behind. Um, now, most people here tonight understand the authority of parents in their own homes 
is under assault in our culture. Uh, it is no secret that some states allow a minor to get an abortion without their parental consent. And in those particular states, the consent of a grandparent or sometimes even a judge is sufficient for a minor to do that. And you think about that in contrast to some school systems where a school nurse can't even give an aspirin or a Tylenol without parental consent. Uh, now, I'm not speaking about abortion tonight. I'm just simply saying parental authority is not recognized like it should be. Now, the government usurping authority over parents in their own homes bothers me. But it bothers me even more when parents give up their own rightful authority in the home to their children. It's no shock to anybody here tonight that a great number of American homes in our culture are run by the children. (laughs) The last quality I want to discuss when we think about uh, things God considers to be wise in our own home is this. The parents are in charge. Now, I understand there are a lot of people here tonight, and you no longer have minor children in your home. And I understand we have other people here tonight who have not yet gotten to where you have any uh, children in your home. But everybody in here tonight either has people you influence or talk to. And, And so it's very important that we understand the biblical foundation for this idea that parents are in charge. Go ahead and stand, if you would, please, in honor of God's word. This is just simply the third part of wisdom for the home. Proverbs chapter 23, beginning in verse 24. Proverbs 23, verse 24. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. He that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Thank you, might be seated. Now, the book of Proverbs is filled with instruction and principles to apply to parents and children. Now, that's true for uh, parents whose children are still young enough to be in your home. That's also true for parents whose children are old enough and responsible enough to be out of your home. Now, as time goes on tonight, we'll come back to this place in Proverbs, but I do want to begin with that thought in verse 26. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Understand, the greatest thing that a child can give their godly parents is their heart. Now, understand, when a child gives their godly parents their heart, it is very different from external conformity. You see, it's very easy to externally conform your life to what your parents want when they are there, and much different to give them your heart. And it is much greater in God's sight to give them your heart than to simply conform externally. Mark it down. Teenagers, children, spouses, If you have to sneak around and do it, it's probably not right. You see, when you are following somebody with your heart, and you are loving somebody with your heart, and you are being what you're supposed to be from your heart, you don't have to sneak around. 
It's a wonderful thing to behold when children of any age choose to give godly parents their heart. But it's not just simply that. The greatest thing a godly parent can give their children is a good example. It said, let thine eyes observe my ways. To be able to say to your children, observe my ways. And I think we all understand it's very different from this idea of do as I say, not as I do. I think it ought to be the goal of every husband here to be able to say to your son, treat your wife like you've watched me treat your mother. I think it ought to be the goal of every mother here to be able to say to your daughter, treat your husband someday like you've watched me treat your dad. I think it ought to be the goal of every parent to be able to say, listen, treat God and the church and the work of the Lord the way you have observed me treat those things. My son, uh, observe my ways. Uh, Treat people that come across your path like you've observed me treat them. You watch how I've treated minorities. You watch how I've treated people who couldn't add anything to me, who couldn't do anything for me. Don't just watch how I treated people who could help me. Observe my ways. This is the greatest inheritance we can live and leave. To be able to say, observe my ways, watch how I've handled my job. Listen to how I've talked about my boss. Listen to the way I've talked about my employment. Listen to the way that you've heard me talk about the people at work. Listen and watch the way you've observed me live and work and observe my ways and you do that. Observe my ways. Watch the way I've taken care of myself. Observe the way I've had eating habits. Exercise habits. And it's an amazing thing to me that in most Baptist churches we cry out so loudly against alcohol and cigarettes, and yet most Baptists don't hurt themselves with those. They hurt themselves far more with a fork. Observe my ways. These should be our ideals. These should be our goals. These should be our hopes as Christian parents and for children of any age. Listen, it makes a difference in every home where children have given their heart to godly parents and where parents have lived in such a way that their child would be built and helped by observing their ways. What does the book of Proverbs teach about the parent-child relationship? Where is the wisdom of God in a parent-child relationship? Go ahead, please, back to Proverbs chapter 20. I just have four things I want to share with you tonight. I mean, we, we could spend weeks on all of these subjects, and that's not my intention in, in this series. Um, I've probably been making notes on, on this series for at least nine months as I've gone through the book, just as things stir my heart, just write them down. Uh, by the way, you ought to carry something to write stuff down. You ever feel like, well, you know what, that was a good idea? And you don't remember it? Not remember it? That's like the story of my life. I I mean, I keep a little pink card in in, in my Bible uh, right here that I I write down message ideas that I find when I'm uh, reading. I keep a little uh, card in my pocket uh, of 
message ideas or, or I have another card of uh, other ideas and I just write them down. By the way, sometimes I go back and look at them and say, wow, that was a dumb idea. But, but you would really help yourself to capture thoughts that God puts in your mind and heart. And I don't know where that, what that has to do with anything, but number one. Parents and children go up and down together in the home and in life. Parents and children go up and down together in the home and in life. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 7 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Now, if you are somebody who marks your Bible, and you ought to mark that. I've got that marked in yellow, and I've got that yellow circled in green. And every time I read through the Proverbs, I pause and I say, oh, God, help me to be just. Help me to live with integrity so that you would bless my boys. That is a great promise or principle from God. When parents go up, children go up. A parent who lives with integrity and justice brings the blessing of God in their children's lives. A child's future is affected by a children's habits. Turn back a few pages to Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 21 says, Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Every time I read that verse, I say, oh, God, help me to be righteous. That you would deliver our children. When a parent does well, children are helped. By the way, there are a lot of rebellious teenagers and young adults who are only alive because of godly parents. Depending on the parents God chose for you, when you hear me say parents go up and down uh, and children go up and down together, when you hear that, you may either consider that to be a great deal or greatly unfair. (laughs) Now, some people say, well, it's really unfair of God to cause the whole human race to be plunged into sin because of the bad choice of one couple. And what I would say to you, do you know what? It's also pretty unfair of God to redeem all of mankind by the sacrifice of his one son. And you and I don't have a real good handle on fair at times. But children and parents are linked together for life, fair or unfair. And when parents do well, children are helped. But it's not just true that parents affect their own children. Children affect parents all their life. Go back a few pages to Proverbs 10. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon in verse 1, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is heaviness to his mother. By the way, every time I read that, I pause and I say, Oh God, help me to be wise. I would make my parents glad. Parents and children go down and up together. Children affect what happens to the parents. Now, when a child turns 18 or leaves home, this doesn't change. Leaving the home may change, does change the authority structure, but nothing changes in the heart of a godly parent for their child. <laughs> and by the way, uh, 
turning 18 means nothing if you're still at home unless your parent decides it means something. So I'm 18. Fine. So, how many groceries you buy this week? Uh, by the way, that same principle is repeated several times in Proverbs. Look at chapter 17 and verse 25. We see how children negatively or positively impact their parents. In 17.25, it says this, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Uh, chapter 23, in the text we began with when we started, chapter 23 in verses 24 and 25, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear, uh, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Um, for good or bad, parents and children are linked together. You say, I don't want that to be self. Doesn't matter. God made the link. You see, to recognize this unbreakable link ought to help all of us change our attitude and behavior both as parents and as children. You see, parents who think everything will get better when a troubled child leaves home haven't thought that through. (laughs) It may get better in your house, but that link will go wherever they go. Children who can't wait to get away because they think they'll finally be free of their parents haven't thought that through. It it might mean your parents don't see everything you do anymore and don't see what time you come home and leave anymore, but listen, that link is still there. Listen, some of the deepest and most natural love that exists is the love of a parent for their own children. It is from God. And if you've ever paid any attention, it takes an entire series of really, really terrible breaches of that to break that bond. And even sometimes then it's not broken. If you hadn't noticed, some of the deepest and most natural love that exists is the love of a child for their own parents. It's from God. If you've never found someone who had a difficult childhood because one or both of their parents weren't the kind of people that they should have been, there are people who never get over that. It is something God placed in us. This unbreakable link, this unbreakable bond, and when we forget that and don't recognize that either as children, whether we're minors or adults, or as parents, whether our children are at home or whether they're gone, we're missing something and we're not behaving ourselves wisely. I pray, God, this simple thought would motivate parents to live in a way that helps and blesses our children. I've seen so many times when people get to a certain place in their life and they just decide to retire and quit on God. Listen, your kids need something else from you. I pray God will use that simple thought to motivate children to live in a way that brings joy and gladness to your parents. I left home at the age of 19. I've never moved back. I'm sad to say as a lost person at the University of Toledo, I moved into the Sigma Phi Epsilon fraternity house, and I lived there for four years. When I graduated from college, I moved to Cincinnati and have spent my entire adult life away 200 miles from my parents. Can I tell you this? To this very day, 
it means the world to me when my mom or dad says, I'm proud of you. And it grieves me if I feel like I disappoint them. You say, why? There is an unbreakable link between a parent and a child, and we go up or down together. And people who behave themselves wisely in their homes, they recognize and respect this unbreakable link between parents and children. Number two, go back in your Bible, please, to Proverbs chapter 1. We're just talking about behaving ourselves wisely as God defines wisdom. I said, number one, parents and children go up and down together in the home and life. Number two, parents are supposed to lead their home. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8, it says this, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they, that's the instruction of your father and the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. You see, the instruction of a father and the law of a mother become beautiful jewelry on children who choose to hear them and keep them. Now, throughout the entire book of Proverbs, parental leadership is implied. And one of the ways it's implied is because parents are taught to instruct their children. And, by the way, children are taught to listen to it. It says, hear the instruction of thy father, forsake not. The law of thy mother. There's a reason that the book of Proverbs is filled with parents instructing children, not the other way around. Though I do believe this as a parent, if you're not ever learning anything from your child, you're missing one of the ways God wants to teach you. Learning from them and being instructed directly by them are two different things. By the way, it's implied throughout the entire book of Proverbs in the fact that parents discipline children and children don't discipline parents. Twenty-three times in the book of Proverbs, the phrase, my son, occurs. And by and large, the book of Proverbs is the instruction of a godly father uh, to their children. And, and like I said when we began this series, one of the greatest ways to look at this, regardless of who your parents are or whether they're still here, is to look, sit down and, at the feet of your heavenly father and say, teach me. Now, We could spend a great deal of time on this issue about parents leading children uh, from other places in the Bible, but our series is focused in the the book of Proverbs. I just want to simply say a couple of things. Any child living in the house of their parent is under that authority of that parent, and they should obey. By the way, if your children are older, I think wiser parents understand that you need to consider the age of your children and whenever you don't want to obey your parents, leave. Any child out of their parents' house should honor their parents all their life. Remember that Ten Commandment is not uh, children obey your parents, it's honor thy father and mother. Children are supposed to obey their, parent, their parents. Uh, we are supposed to honor our parents all our life. But you're not commanded to obey them when you leave home. And by the way, those of us who are parents of adult children, we need to fight the urge to still give commands. 
and can I just testify? That's not easy. Some of us have a lot of opinions. I know none of you do. I do. Listen, I, I think parents should communicate and talk about decisions with older children, but parents should provide leadership. Now, in our culture today, it is becoming more and more common for parents to not be able to tell their children anything. Homes are often divided by divorce, and parents live in fear of a child deciding to live with the other parents. And when you give in to that fear, instead of following the Lord by faith, the child ends up leading the home. Blended families often have a non-biological parent who's not been given authority to do anything by unwise biological parents. And a child then becomes the one who leads the home. Very often, parents are more interested in being their child's friend instead of the parent. And because of fear of emotional reprisal or uh, some sort of emotional penalty from that child... That child ends up in charge. By the way, parents who do not have healthy relationships with their spouse or other adults sometimes stop parenting. And they become afraid to discipline their children. And again, the child ends up leading the home. And when parents are afraid to discipline and, and parents fall for the humanistic psychobabble of what's going on in secular therapy today and parents who are emotionally beat down from bad relationships, what ends up happening to the detriment of our children? Our children end up leading our home and that is bad for our home and bad for their future. Can I say this? Leading a home with a strong-willed child is one of the toughest things you will ever do. And you need to pray for good courage from God because you need to lead your home. If God gave you a strong-willed child, you ought to thank God. Listen, anybody who does anything for the Lord or anybody who makes anything out of themselves in life has a strong will. And God didn't choose you for them because you were destined to be defeated by their strong will. God called you to have a stronger will. There's a commercial, and it really just irks me every time I hear it. It frosts my mug, I guess I would say. And in that commercial, it's a commercial about seat belts, and the kids are in the back, and the dad's trying to get them to buckle up. And uh, he says, listen, if you guys don't buckle up when we stop at your school, I'm going to get out of the door in my short shorts and dance around. And they say, oh, Danny, no, don't do that. We'll buckle up. And I think to myself, just tell them kids to buckle up. Man, what are you wearing short shorts for anyway? No wonder they don't have any respect for you. Listen, you are the leader in your home. I am not the leader in your home. The government is not the leader in your home. You are the leader in your own home. Not your children. And if your children are leading your home, you are following some very fickle, immature, selfish, and short-sighted leadership. God put you there for a reason. By the way, some of you older children, you ought to stop making it so hard on your parents to provide leadership in your home. You might be surprised someday you're going to figure out they're not as dumb as you think. And you're not as smart as you think. 
Let me ask you a couple of questions when we think about parental leadership. Do you support parental leadership in the home and your thinking and practice? Why do we get permission slips? Keep the lawyers off our back? No, because we respect parental permission. You're disrespecting that command when you don't care about getting permission slips. By the way, that's the reason I don't support the government taking children away from their parents unless the circumstances are very extreme. By the way, that's the reason as your pastor that I do not support you if you knock on doors speaking to any minor children without their parents there. Listen, would you like somebody you don't know to come up and speak to your children about religion when you're not there? Who said they're lost and the parents will never tell them. That's not your problem. You better respect parental authority. The, the Lord knows where they are. Uh, he'll take care of them. Uh, this past week before our teens left for camp, um, when you go to camp, they have a license inspection. You say, well, that's gross. Listen, if you had a camp of 100 kids, hundreds of kids, you'd have license inspections too. And if you don't understand that kids who live in clean homes and take care of themselves sometimes get that stuff, you don't get that stuff. Anybody can get it. And, and Joe says, you know what, they're going to do this at camp. I want to have a license inspection uh, before and after Sunday school. I said, that's fine. I said, I want you to text all the parents. Say, why? Because I believe in parental authority. Do you really believe in parental authority? You just believe in your parental authority. There are plenty of parents that I think are bad examples who pass on racial prejudices, bad work ethics, a wrong view of God to their children. I just believe it is even worse for the government to decide what children are taught instead of our own parents because the Bible teaches parental authority. Let me ask you this. If you're a parent with minor children in your home, who is leading your home? I'm not implying that you should be jamming everything down your kid's throat. Uh, You know, you're supposed to be a little wiser than that. I'm asking who's really making the decisions in your house. Can I tell you, when I was growing up, uh, who made all the decisions in our house? Me. Our family, you know where we went on vacation? Where I wanted to. My sisters didn't want to go there, but I did. And my parents let me pick them. I was 17 years old, and my parents decided instead of letting me pick vacation that year, they let my sisters pick. I didn't go. And my parents let that go on. I loved my mom and dad. They're great, some some great, great things they taught me and placed in my character and in my life. But I'm going to tell you what, that wasn't one of them. And by the way, one of the greatest steps you'll ever take in your life is to respect and love your parents for what they did that was good and not follow everything they did if it's contrary to what God teaches us. You and I are not on some... uh, uncontrollable downward spiral in society. God's given us a book filled with truth. How any person can say, do you know what? I didn't see this in my childhood. I didn't see this in my home. But I am going to do something different. Everybody here tonight can do that. What I've found in many cases is that children are the ones to decide which church their parents attend. That's wrong. 
See, people who behave themselves wisely at home do everything they can to have parents in charge of the home. Number three, go back to Proverbs chapter three. I said there's an unbreakable link. I said parents are supposed to be in charge. Number three, parents are supposed to discipline their own children. Proverbs chapter three, verse 11 says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. By the way, if you are a student of the scriptures, you recognize that that is something that the book of Hebrews expounds upon in in chapter 12. But we see that God chastens God corrects, in verse 12, everybody he loves. And every father who delights in their children corrects them. You see, to fail to discipline our children while they're under our roof makes us unlike our Heavenly Father. It is not more loving to choose not to discipline your children. God, who is perfect in love, disciplines his. In fact, this morning I just started three weeks in discipline in our Parenting 101 class. And so I don't want to spend time and details of, of this tonight. I, I just want to say, listen, you better do some. Turn up to chapter 22. Say, why should I do some? Well, it would be good to follow the example of your Heavenly Father. That's what it says in Proverbs 22.15. It says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Understand that according to God, a child's basic nature is fallen and foolish. Just like the nature of every adult. Like I said this morning in Sunday school, Jesus used a child's faith as the model faith. But when it comes to a child's nature, they're no different than us. Their heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. They're more inclined to pride than humility. More inclined to selfishness and sharing. Amen? And if we don't do something as parents about that, that foolishness remains in their heart. I'm not advocating abuse or angrily beating your children. In fact, what I would say is you ought to strive to never discipline your children in anger. On the other hand, if you don't ever use any physical discipline, spanking on a young child, you're not following God's discipline plan. But I'd also say, you know what, if you spank your kid for everything, you need a little more creativity. Would any reasonable, godly person look at the way you handle your children and say you discipline them? People who behave themselves wisely in their own homes, lovingly discipline their own children when it's needed. And lastly, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Number four, his parents are supposed to be the first and key teachers of their own children. Proverbs 4, 1 says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father. We read Proverbs twenty three twenty six, where the parent says to the child, Let thine eyes observe my ways. Now, parents are the first and the key teachers of children, and that is not to imply you are to be the only teachers. But you are the first and key ones. 
And here we read that parents are to train up our children in the way they should go. And we get this privilege. We get this responsibility. And, and God is giving, given every parent a team of people to help them. It doesn't take a village to raise a child, but God has given you help, parents. Listen, many, uh, many of you have godly grandparents. Uh, by the grace of God, we have a, a whole series of godly, faithful Sunday school teachers and children's church workers and uh, master club workers and uh, teen workers. And, and we got all sorts of people by the grace of God. They're there to help you. Be the first and key teacher, but don't fall into this trap of deciding, do you know what? Nobody's going to teach my children anything but me. Pray tell, how will your child ever have any possibility to rise up above you if you never allow anyone to teach them but you? You know, when we're wise, we understand that, you know what? Though I am the first and the key teacher, God has brought people into the circle of my life and the circle of my children's life to come alongside of me and help me teach them. Now, the word training is more simply than doing the best you know. Or duplicating the way you were raised. The word trained is used of the 318 servants that Abraham had were trained servants. In Genesis 14, 14, that he took to battle to retrieve Lot from uh, the enemies who had taken him from the city of Sodom. Training speaks of order, discipline, repetition, and skill. It's not casual. And wise parents understand, you know what, if I'm going to train my children the way they should go, I need to ask some questions about how I should train them. Just a quick reminder, this is not really so much of a Bible promise as it is a general principle. I know that might be contrary to what some of you have been taught or heard, but understand... uh, Following the instruction of your parents doesn't always bring long life and peace. Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2, but it does generally. Ringing or twisting and squeezing the nose doesn't always bring forth blood. In Proverbs 30, 33. Not every virtuous woman has a husband who trusts her and children who rise up and call her blessed. Proverbs 31, 11 and 28. And not every child who's trained right turns to the parent's faith when that child is old. But listen, training them right in the way they should go provides the best foundation and opportunity for them to choose to do that. Can I tell you what God has promised? Turn back a page to Proverbs 21. And this was one of the prayer promises I claimed all the time when our children were Younger in the house and and still, quite frankly, claim it from time to time in the ministry and as a parent. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As a rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Here's what God did promise. He promised to speak to their heart when you pray. Listen, your children have as much of a free will to choose what they do with their life as you do and did. We like free will when it's ours. We hate it when it's our children. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is that 
training up our child in the ways they should go and this idea that they would never depart from it when they're old, that's not a promise so much as it is a principle, but God did promise this. Listen, I am well capable of speaking to their heart, God says, and you pray and I promise you, I will speak to their heart and turn it. And they will choose. Now as parents, we want ironclad silver bullets. If I do this, then there's a 100% guarantee they will do right. That promise does not exist. But the principle does apply. But people are not animals. And so the best thing you and I can do is train them up in the way they should go. And nearly always they will turn to that when they are old. And you know what? Listen to me. Very often they will turn to that when they're young. You know, I'd hate to be one of those uh, parents whose kids went bad. Had to look back at my lack of instruction and bad example. I've spoken to a lot of parents whose sons or daughters are prodigal. And I can just tell you, it's a grief constantly to their heart and mind, and my heart breaks for them. And that is so much worse if you can't look back and honestly say, you know what, I tried to provide leadership in my home as a parent. I disciplined them like I should have. I instructed them and set a godly and sincere and consistent example to be observed. And I trained them the way the Lord taught me they should go. People who behave themselves wisely in their own homes understand that they are the first and the key instructors. God wants to bless your home. Listen, whether your kids are at home or not, that unbreakable link will give you influence over them all their life. See, why do you say that? Don't give up. Don't give up. Listen, I'm sure that father in the parable Jesus told of the prodigal son, I'm sure that father spent a lot of discouraged and pain-filled nights. But you know what? He never gave up. Because he knew that even though he wasn't in the pig pen with his son, God could speak to his heart and he could come to himself. Amen? If you'd stand tonight, God wants to bless your home.